Sign up for the newsletter so you never miss an update. Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play Store. Welcome to the podcast. those dark mornings. Wheeler, Ollie, and Lecter. Mornings at the cabin. Mornings at the cabin indeed. Wheeler and Lecter back at it on your Tuesday morning. Mornings at the cabin brought to you by Aurora Ford Drive of the North. Lecter back in town from his sojourn to Vancouver hey. over the weekend. What's up, brother? Uh, you have a good weekend? I had a great weekend. I mean, the, the best part of your weekend was getting me my gifts. Now, you let me know last night that you got me a present. I said, how yeah. dare you, sir? Yes. Don't buy me presents. We had just talked about no gift Christmas. I know. But, I mean, you got this. Apparently, the bargain bin, which hurts a little bit. But you got me, like, a vinyl, a record, an actual record yep. of Christopher Cross's debut album. Yes. Christopher Cross. Yeah, baby. Which features, of course, sailing. Yep. And our favorite, Ride Like the Wind. This is really nice. I've never, I've actually, I don't. Look down those credits. Read that background vocals. Background vocals. Where? Oh, eh, eh, background vocals. Oh, where? It says Don Henley. Keep reading. Keep reading. <laughs> Michael McDonald. Don Henley. <laughs> oh, he doesn't call me on my birthday anymore. And it's a drag because he was my brother. Oh, man. Very nice. I haven't been gifted a record in Ever? Eight, ages. Probably since I was a kid. Because I haven't had a record player since I was a kid. Yeah, I definitely bought it and was like, he's going to get no use out of this. I'm going to get a record player. This is the most joy you're ever going to get out of a gift that you're not going to be able to use. I mean, I would get a record player just to play them. I, hey. do, I mean, I do love records. I've just never gotten into to buying them. And they say $7 can't buy anything Don't tell anymore. me the price. Thank you. But still, very nice. Thank you very much. I actually scratched the price tag off this morning. It's just like, I'm going to tell him how much I it mean, costs. it's not an original press tag. Wow. Well, it might be. It might know. be. Who knows? It's Christopher Cross. <laughs> Seven bucks, baby. That says original pressing to me. Mornings at the Cabin, the podcast. Mornings at the Cabin brought to you by Aurora Ford, driving the north. Come on by and see the best selection in town. And the best deals. Um... Lecter just got back from a trip from Vancouver, and uh, we were just chatting about it. I mean, it's always good to get out of town, and I mean, I know it sounds pedestrian to go to Vancouver, but if you know Vancouver well enough, which you do, you can make a real nice uh, nice weekend out of it. Uh, you both got tattoos. That's pretty sweet. Yes. Had some nice food, had some nice beer. Didn't get Canucks tickets. No, that's like the only thing in hindsight. I'm like, why have I never... It's tried a, to get Canucks tickets. I mean, it's a and it's a great place to go to see yeah. a game. I've seen a couple games there. I'll tell you, I saw, saw a game during the Olympics. It was great. Yeah. Um. Saw another Vancouver versus uh, Detroit, in which I got in a fight with my girlfriend at the time. But that wasn't so great. Um. And then I saw one with uh, Phoenix, which was uh, Vancouver versus Montreal. Montreal won four one, and we were down oh, in hey. the lower bowl, right behind, right be uh, like just uh, like twelve rows up oh, uh, nice. from the glass. Yeah. Right by right on the aisle, which is amazing. And then uh, right uh, on uh, on the away side, so we saw Carey Price twice. 
Very nice. And, uh, the Canucks scored on themselves. It was just a fantastic. Oh, that's always night. fun. Just a great night. It's always fun when the Canucks embarrass themselves. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, Jay Bear is at the Leafs game. Last I saw night. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he's had a great trip. He goes on these guys' trips all the time. And, uh, well, not all the time, but when he does. And uh, he always looks to have a good time. Yeah. I mean, they lost 5 1, but. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, you're, not, you're going for the experience. Nah, you're right, not going right. to watch the yeah. Maple Leafs win, <laughs> even though they were on a five game winning streak. Um, so you had a great weekend. Um, you were looking for ramen. You found a you found a place on commercial. First, there's your first mistake going for food on commercial. That isn't like breakfast right. or like burritos. There was this place I remember on, on commercial. It was like it was like a sausage joint, but it was <laughs> it was like it was like like you like it was like a nightclub. It was like kind of like a really like. Not a. It was like a bar, but like right. a really loud bar with a great whiskey selection, and their big thing was sausage. Yeah, because every it like for iterations of uh, of restaurants going through trends in Vancouver, because Vancouver is a very trendy place, especially food wise. Yeah, you just get like a bunch of sausage places, and then like ramen's really hot. Ramen's always hot, but I mean, you know, yeah. then like a bunch of ramen places pop up and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's 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 almost a cruel reminder. When you go, mm. when you visit Vancouver and mm. like, you know, and, and I, and I was saying this, like, as I was, uh, I was talking to my tattoo artist, you know, while I was getting the work done and, and he's, uh, and they're, and they're just like, Ugh, another talker. No, I'm they, joking. They were great. Yeah. Oh, I mean, man. your tattoo looks awesome. Yeah. Thank wait, you. Can we put a picture up on the uh, Facebook page? Uh, you know, I might hold off and just wait till I. It's not covered the, in plasma. Yeah. Oh come on! You know, be such a baby. The my my snake guy here kind of looks like he got punched out in a back alley <laughs> right now. So maybe I'll just hold off and there. Uh, yeah, I guess, actually get a good picture. Right. But uh, you know, like I, I was saying, I, I I love Yellowknife. I mean, we we were not shy about uh, expressing our our love and sometimes uh, mild disdain for this town, but mostly love. It's all love. Hey, That's a mild. You have, you have, yeah. <laughs> I love this place. I mean, there. I mean, that's the reason. One of my my. I don't want to call it a catchphrase, but the reason I made that T-shirt. Yes. This effing town is because it's half the time it's great. Yeah. The other half is well, what we've experienced the last week or so with uh, with public people being very public about how publicly stupid they are. But it's all in the way you say it. That's right. That's right. This town. This. I tell you. Or. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, there's nowhere else. There's really not a lot of other places I would rather be living than Yellowknife right now. It it affords me a life that I just could not have in too many other places. And that is barely affordable. With with the income I bring in, (laughs) pittance, uh, yeah, it it just, it's not, it wouldn't be the same life. Like, and I always say, like, I love visiting Vancouver. I love I love yeah. walking around Vancouver and just, you know, just wandering so gas in. Down. It's just so it's so fun, but I could never live there. You could just feel the millionaires around you. Oh my just god. Like, oh my god, I love being here. Yeah. It's, it's literally costing me money to stand here and breathe. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's not even good quality breathing. I mean, it's not bad. It's not the worst. <laughs> I mean, I know what you're talking about. I, I lived in Vancouver for 7 years and it was like, well, I lived in Burnaby because I was like, I'm not paying 1300 bucks for a one-bedroom apartment, which sounds reasonable. Which you would be in Burnaby now. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, not in the place I was living, which was a little rundown. No. Still had a pool. <laughs> 850 for a single-bedroom apartment. Oh, yeah. I don't Pretty think sweet. you'd be finding that now. Uh, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. It's probably torn down. It could be. be. Yeah. yeah. Probably, yeah, lit up in a fire. Yeah. But, you know, you just there there are just 
ample bars, ample yeah. cafes, yeah. ample like all every different kind of food right. you could possibly be craving. Yeah. You can find, you know, in, in Vancouver, and and so it's like it it reminds you of these things that we we don't have here in Yellowknife, right? But at the same time, it's like, yeah, I I can never live here, right? You can't it's go just the perfect weekend escape. You can't it really just slap is. on your cross country skis and go on the tenth biggest lake in the world. No, no, you really in can't. Vancouver, no, right? Which, oh my god, uh, I love how much snow. I mean, it's not like a, it's it's, not you, didn't get, you didn't get a dump while it was gone, but it's uh, it's coming. Yeah. And I am very, very excited Great. about that. Great. I can't wait for you to be excited about skiing. Um, but yeah, you sounds like you had a great weekend, so that's awesome. I'm yeah. happy you did. And thank you for the gift once again. Yeah. Uh, very, very nice. You're very you didn't welcome. have to do that. I, Come on. Uh, um, but uh, did, Nicole got a tattoo as well. She did. And you said, I mean, can I say how long it was? Yeah. Seven not? hours? Yeah. What did she get done? <laughs> well, it was Her a little. entire they, face. They finished up a little bit, like, earlier than that, but they had booked for seven hours. Wow. Just in case. But yeah. uh, she was getting a uh, an arm piece, basically, okay. like, filling in some uh, some negative space. Right. Um, like, filling With out. With positivity. Uh, with positivity, yeah, mm-hmm. just all smiles. It just says positive. Just a bunch of popping smiley faces <laughs> on her arm. No, yeah, uh, no, she. I, I'll, I'll, you know, I, I don't. It's, it's a like a like a space kind of theme, nice uh, type of thing going on. But uh, I'll, you know, you'll you'll see it soon enough as well. For sure, it, it's for also. Sure. Very plasma-y right now. I'm sure it is. <laughs> Not the prettiest picture, but... Uh, it's leaking. But yeah, she's very happy with it, yeah. and uh, we'll definitely be going back. Uh, by the way, if you're listening and you're a tattoo enthusiast and uh, and you ever find yourself in Vancouver looking for some ink, mm-hmm. look up Liquid Amber Tattoos. Liquid it's Amber, yes. I hear very the, good things. Oh my God, they're great. Yeah, yeah. They're so good. Are they in Maine? Or are they? Is that where they are? They are... They're right in Gastown, I think, oh, on... Okay. on Water, okay. just off Abbott. Yep, right in that, like just just uh, right by like Vic, uh, not Victory Square. Um, God, we sound like jerks. Um, right? yeah. <laughs> Downwater Street, New Gastown, just off Abbott. But it's they like, are nice. moving. They mentioned they are oh, yeah. moving uh, to commercial. Okay, drives so. that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Commercial, but either way, yeah, yeah just place to be. Yeah, just Google them. I'm pretty sure there's only one, um, and they're they're great. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking of a different. Place, but Liquid Amber sounds very familiar. I mean, another thing about Vancouver, ample tattoo. Places That's right. To go to. Liquid Amber one, Liquid <laughs> Amber two. They're constantly in a fight with each other over the name. Um, well, awesome. I'm glad you had a good trip, and um, thank you again for the gift. Yeah, very nice. We'll have to get a record player. So, really, you gave me a gift that cost me money. Mornings at the cabin, the podcast where we cut out all the great music, and you're left with the rest. Mornings at the cabin, brought to you by Aurora Ford, driving the north. Um, as we do occasionally when one of us is out of town and comes back, we do a little segment we like to call, Hey, what I miss? Well, one thing I wanted to mention. First. Yes, absolutely. Mention I it. know you're sick already hmm? of, uh, of me talking about Vancouver. You went but, to Vancouver? Uh, yeah, I went to Vancouver. Um, also, I just noticed I have a stain on my shirt. All right. Let's, uh, just let's stay on track. Uh, that's a, it's a rough <laughs> Tuesday morning. Uh, <laughs> What is that, mustard? <laughs> yeah, I think it's mustard. Uh, I think it's chocolate. <laughs> Nothing gets chocolate out. See? See? <laughs> um, yeah, one thing, the, the, the most relevant thing to, to really? Yellowknife yeah, yeah. in our entire uh, Vancouver visit, we got a chance to visit Alex Sparling's restaurant, Side Hustle Sandwiches. Very nice. Which, I've heard good uh, things. Oh, my God. So good. Yeah. What sandwich you have? Another thing. Uh, it was a, um, a brisket sandwich. Nice. Like a brisket melt Type of situation, mm. 
It was amazing. That's good. Um, yeah, great place. Uh, really, really cute little spot. It's got you know, if if you know Alex at all, of yep. course you you would expect certain things such as hockey everywhere. references everywhere, pro wrestling references nice. everywhere. It's uh, it's a fantastic spot, and yeah, it's it's going to be a, a staple visit at our place now. Got to see Alex. Got to chat with him. Uh, he he popped in while we were there. Double take saw Nicole. Was like, oh my god, hey. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so we were chatting with him. He seems like he's uh, he's doing really well. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, another one. If uh, if if anyone listening is uh, is heading to Vancouver soon, make sure you visit Side Hustle. Absolutely, it's, uh, it's wonderful. He's on commercial as well, right? Is he? Uh, no, no. I don't remember exactly where it is. Oh, I thought it was on commercial or near commercial. Mm, it might be near commercial. Okay, I didn't know where I was like That's the fine. whole time I was That's there. Fine. Um, you know, it's it's bigger than like three streets, so I, I get lost. That's right. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so many streets, but yeah, just Google it, or you know, follow him on Instagram, <laughs> all that stuff. Google it, whatever. You'll figure it out. There you go. Okay, what'd you miss? Uh, so yeah, let's uh take a look. I've I I have not followed the news at all since I've been gone because yep. uh because you're on vacation. Why, why follow the news? Why would I? Uh, okay. Well, oh, he's an East Eight. So. I know who that is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so cabinradio.ca. What yeah, do we got here? Um, stories there, uh, Yellowknife counselors narrowly approve proof of vaccination. Okay. There you go. That's good. So that's uh, for the city facilities. It's off Maine. Off Maine. Maine, not at commercial islands. They're, they're the same. Okay, go ahead. Uh, okay. So we'll talk about that. Ollie's going to come on at 8 o'clock. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Uh, what else we got here? Four charged drugs and machetes seized. After reported assault. Good okay. stuff. Uh, okay, moving right along. Uh, hey, River and Betchko, each report just one act of COVID-19. Very case. nice. That's good. Yeah, great stuff. That's very good. Very nice. Awesome. Good to hear that, uh, yeah, things are recovering there. Uh, what else we got? Complaints filed about Yellowknife counselors, Conga, and Payne. Yeah. Okay, so that, you know, that was about where <laughs> yeah. we were last week. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, NWT tra- promises better self-isolation plan system for holidays. Believe okay. it when I see right. it. Provide a simplified process. I mean, <laughs> sure. Oh, rapid response team in tuck after four case COVID-19 class. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's not so good. Right. YWCA NWT launches 2021 holiday family sponsorship. Very nice. That's nice. Yeah. Give families a holiday they may not otherwise have. Uh, you can find that story. Ollie Williams has that for you at yellowknife.ca. Uh, Cabinradio.ca. We might as well be called yellowknife.ca, brother. GNWT offers 5K Indigenous Language Revitalization Scholarships. Very yes. cool. Very nice. Uh, okay. There are fewer vehicles on NWT roads. It's a blip. Probably. I guess. I don't know. doesn't seem that way from my end. It's, the- it's a very odd thing because, I mean, I, I read the story and Ollie was talking about it. It's like, I mean, it's it's been fairly consistent. Where I work. Right. So, I mean, like, there are fewer vehicles available, but, like, the selling of them doesn't seem to have slowed down much. I'll have to actually read that article, I guess, because I don't really know what that's referring to. That's one of the more interesting headlines I think Ollie's ever written, though. There are fewer vehicles on NWT roads. It's a blip, probably. I don't think I've seen a one-word sentence in one of his headlines before. That's true. That's true. He usually goes a two-worder or more. So that's you know that, that that's all great. I mean, it's not all it, great. It'd be better if uh, there uh, there are fewer vehicles on WT Road. It's blip, probs. It's, 
Um, what about what about the hot goss? The hot goss. Any hot goss? I mean, the hot goss. Does, gone. It does. It does. It does revolve around things that came out of the city council. It uh, apparently, that, down, the though. council meeting last night was straight fire. I did listen oh, really? to it a little bit at the end. Like we were getting into bed, and it's like it's like nine thirty, and we're still and we we're watching it in bed. And it's just like, and this, Phoenix this is, is just like, they all look so exhausted. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine being at a, a council meeting. At, like, just see like some of these poor souls, just like, so, like Stacey Smith, just kind of like bury her head in her hands. just like, ugh, like, are we still going? I mean, you got to feel for them because I mean, that's, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Cause like everybody there works all day long. And then is it a council meeting till 10? And the language of course is just the most boring language Ever pursuant to the uh, apply, uh, application of the um, uh, bureaucrat, blah, 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 and just like section huh? 1.8, right? Of the I mean, it's all and it, that's got to be like that's got to be one of the tougher parts of the job, it's yeah. just like listening to this stuff, and then like everybody, and like <laughs> it's funny. When someone asks someone something, it's like counselor, 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 and like everyone has to say, ah, oh, thank you. Um, and they also have to say thank you before they start talking. And I mean, if you've watched any of this stuff, you know that that happens. It just struck me as funny last night. Maybe I was really tired. <laughs> I, I'm really tired this morning. I've been up since 3.30. Um, I think so. your, your sense of humor just changes at 39, right? Uh, yeah, it's just like, thank you. I'm like, okay, whatever. City like, council meetings become I, like your go-to viewing. You half expect you a know? land acknowledgement every time they like ask someone a question like, Councilor Morris, uh, uh, what do you have to say about this? Uh, thank you. I'd just like to acknowledge them. <laughs> I have nothing to say. And like they literally say thank you and then be like, I have nothing to add. I'd like to precede this member statement by acknowledging that we are on uh, Chief Draghi's territory um, treaty. Yeah. Yeah. I got nothing to say, though. Yeah. <laughs> and no I mean, com- no as, as part of the job as well, like just people kind of talking in circles and just like, yeah, it was, you know, it's that's fire, though. That's right, because at least they're talking about something interesting, right? Um, which is the vaccination uh, uh, proof of vaccination requirements, which we will talk about a little bit more in depth with Ollie Williams. Uh, Emily Blake has that story at CabinRadio.ca. Emily doesn't get up this early though, so we can't have her on the show. Not <laughs> unless on, it's Friday. Only on Fridays, yeah, baby. But baby. Uh, we'll have Ollie on to do uh, kind of a roundup of the news at eight o'clock. And uh, although you just heard just kind of what's in the news, I mean, you know, if you want to hear Scott uh, talk more about the news, you can call him. At one eight seven seven, Scott Talk. We can read the news together. Yeah, Scott Talk. It's S C O T T O K, which is I don't know what those are on your on your numbers, but there it is. One eight seven seven, Scott Talk. I gotta get on TikTok now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then we just call it Scott Talk. Yeah, I'll just read the are news. You, you think there's TikToks. a Scott Talk out there already? Like uh, at probably. Scott Talk. Yeah. All right, fair enough. You'll just read the, you'll just read headlines and be like, huh? Council <laughs> narrowly approves proof of vaccination. Hmm. I don't know what any of this means. What are that about? The Mornings at the Cabin podcast. Hey, it was early. What do you want from us? Mornings at the Cabin brought to you by Aurora Ford Drive of the North. Wheeler Electric with you on your Tuesday morning. Hope you're having a good one so far. It's only minus seven, baby. Get out there in your open-toed shoes and maybe put a sweater on. Ah! The magistrate joins us from deep within the Iron Mountains. Is he in his judge's cloak? Is he wearing his wig? Does he have his hammer or AKA gavel with him this morning? Ollie Williams joins us as we fade the music down, fade him up. Good morning, Ollie. Good morning. How are you? Oh, wonderful. How are you? Lovely. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Just tickety boo. Tiki boo. Tiki boo. Very nice. 
Tickety-boo. Get it Tickety-boo. Right. Oh, I don't know what that means. Tickety-boo <laughs> makes sense to me. Tickety-boo. That's nonsense. This is an extra ickety. Tickety-boo. <laughs> I gave up after ickety six miles. Um, Ollie, uh, welcome to the show. As, as always, we do love having you. You need to come on more often. I'll do my best. Great. You need great. to wear your wig more often. That's it's right. I mean, beautiful wig. Is, is it like a busy news time? Is that why you're not on? It doesn't seem that busy. <laughs> I was up a little later than I expected last night because oh. some people wouldn't shut up. Oh, who wasn't? Who weren't shutting up? Oh, oh, oh yeah, we were talking about this. We were uh, lying in bed as well. Soccer. <laughs> Soccer. Yeah, they Soccer would not shut it. up. Yeah. Yeah. They kept on saying nil. City council. Now look, city council had an important job to do they last did. night. There was, there was clearly a need for some right? more discussion. It's just, it's just those little closing speeches where people say, "I'm not going to repeat everything I've already said," and then repeat, repeat everything, everything they've, they've already, already said. said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if, that, if, that can stop. Yeah, and I mean, and Phoenix and I will occasionally watch the, the the council meetings, and we were watching last night as we were laying in bed, and um, and uh, she kind of just remarked, like, "Why is everyone talking in circles?" I was like. Because it's city council. <laughs> like, you have to. Anytime we, and we were joking about it just a little bit earlier where everybody gets, uh, you know, acknowledged that they're going to say something and they all have to say, oh, yeah, thank you. Um, and then they have to go into their thing. And they're all just exhausted. Yes, it's an incredibly important thing that they were debating and talking about last night. But everyone just looks exhausted and everyone's just kind of like, um, and, um, yeah, uh, pursuant to the, um, um, the order from the CPHO, um, I support. Uh, it's just like, oh my god! <laughs> Still entertaining, though. Still very entertaining. So we uh, we appreciate that. So um, so they voted in favor, five to four, a narrow vote, but that's how democracy works. The narrowest of margins uh, for proof of vaccination. So tell us a little bit more about what that means. Oh God! All right. We'll say thank you. Thank uh, you. What does that mean? Yep. Um, it basically means, it's shorthand for what it means is that um, the the city now has to go to the chief public health officer, make the application for all these things to change. And they, on the face of it, the standard exemption is for now up to 100 people indoors, 200 people outdoors. That's not set in stone, though. It depends on other things the city applies for. They, right. they could get more if the chief public health officer is feeling generous. Uh, not that I necessarily think they need it. The important thing to stress is that this never affected like hockey leagues and soccer leagues directly because they already had their own exemptions. And just because they were using city facilities, it did not mean that the city council vote affected them. However, there is the chance that the city now saying yes to this could mean that city staff take over doing some of the checking from volunteers with user groups, which would help out those volunteer based user groups a little right. bit. So, so there's a, a maybe a little uh, bit of give there, uh, but it doesn't like it, it won't affect hugely how soccer and hockey leagues were already running. It does affect things like the pool, the library, the walking track, the play area at the field house, things like that. Right. Um, well, fair enough. I guess we'll see how it all goes. Um, uh, Steve Payne mentioned something in the, in the middle of the story. So we're already treating unvaccinated people as if they're infected. Which, uh, which speaks to something that we've been talking about since the beginning of this, which is to act as if you have it, which is what we kind of told people at the beginning of this when we're saying masks, say, uh, like uh, uh, keep your distance, wash your hands. We were telling people kind of like just act as if you have it, and that, that will give you that kind of mental, mental uh, 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 capacity to kind of do all these 
ab- not abnormal things, but all these different things. So while we yeah, were encouraging I these think, people. I mean, you can't. I, I think that has probably changed a little bit on yeah. the grounds that if you act, if you have it now, then you would never go to any city facilities exactly. and you would never do it in sports. Yeah. So we, we're kind of trying, I think they're trying to move out of that mindset in the safest way possible. Right. One of the things I guess I wanted that I want to talk about a little bit is this continuing, this continuing belief that you know that that vaccinated people haven't noticed that people with the vaccine can still get COVID. Yeah, yeah. one yeah. of the things we heard a lot last night from people who do not want this policy to come into play mm-hmm. is, um, you know, oh, people people who are vaccinated can still get COVID nineteen. Well, we know that. We all yeah. know that. That nobody is disputing that. Yeah, right. nobody is disputing that people who are vaccinated can still get COVID nineteen when they do get it they are much, much less likely to get seriously ill from it. Right. Far less likely to die from it. Right. And a little bit less likely to spread it. Now, there's and there's a lot of different scientific studies around how that changes, how their ability to spread goes. On balance, it looks as though you're a little less likely to spread it if you're vaccinated, but you're certainly less likely to get very sick. Yeah. And therefore, you are much better protected than someone who is not vaccinated. That is why something like a proof of vaccination policy is used. It's not to stop necessarily the virus spreading. I don't think there is a single person who thinks that a proof of vaccination policy means that you can't get COVID at the field house anymore. Mm. And that is not what that's trying to achieve. But if you, if you go to the field house and play soccer and you do get it, chances are you're going to be all right, which is exactly how a flu shot works. Yes. It doesn't mean you're not going to get the flu doesn't mean you're not going to get the flu it just means that you're probably not going to die if you do um and and you know and and i think that is it just feels like a misconception that some people have that that the authorities suggesting this stuff think that it's going to stop covid spreading i don't think that's the plan well and but and then the mindset that they possibly know better um uh, so th- there is that mindset, though, and it's it's kind of come up a lot in 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 uh, well in uh, comment sections and things like that. That mindset that like it's either a hundred percent effective or it's BS, and that's kind of where I feel like that's kind of uh, there's some of that going on where it's just like, well, people if people are vaccinated and still get it, then why get vaccinated? It's like that that kind of thinking is incredibly dangerous, um, and and it speaks to that kind of mindset where it's just like, well, if you can still get it, then what's the point? What's the point of risking your life or whatever? It's like, well, because you're risking your life the other way too. If you put a seatbelt on and your car can still roll off a cliff, right? Why put a seatbelt on? Oh, exactly. I mean, that's exactly. I mean, that's, I've been saying that for years. I've been saying but, that for years. You know. Yeah, and people and like people can still die in in, in vehicle accidents while wearing their seatbelts. You know, so, I mean, it's it's um, yeah, it's a very kind of it's an odd mindset. It's a very closed mindset. And it, it also the, the quote there, uh, we're, we're already treating unvaccinated people as if they're infected. It's like, OK, are we OK? Is it, it so we are we treating infected people like poorly or are we treating them like adversely or, or, or like are we caring for them? So if we're if we if we're showing a modicum of care for the infected, then we should be showing a modicum of care for the unvaccinated. And this is the care. Get vaccinated. <laughs> That's 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 people caring. I mean, don't get me wrong. I get I get why this is right. blooming difficult for city councillors, for the chief public health officer, for everyone. Because yes, these are clearly coercive measures. Yep, they are clearly measures that say, well, you can't come in here until you're vaccinated, which 
evidently has the effect of coercing someone to get vaccinated. There's right. no two ways about that. Right. If someone likes playing soccer, but they don't want to get vaccinated, they now have to get vaccinated to play. Yeah. So they haven't got a choice. Yeah. Right. No one's forcing so them to we, do it. We, you don't got to so, get vaccinated so to play FIFA. No about that. You, can't, you can't get around the fact that, that this is a coercive measure. And, and it's never a great look for health authorities, politicians to put in place coercive measures because people don't like feeling coerced. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the human human history is full of like, you know, being coerced to join armies to fight wars. Yeah, like there's there's been a lot of coercion in human history as in the grand scheme of coercion. Where does this rank? Well, it probably ranks alongside things like the polio vaccine and right. the smallpox vaccine, where there was Comparable also things. quite a lot of coercion. You look at the history of the smallpox vaccine in some U.S. states. They were going into people's homes and holding them down and inoculating them against smallpox right. because it was that big a deal. And they didn't want to have to deal with holdouts. So there's been a lot of coercion around vaccines in the past as well. How many people now, 40, 50 years hence, look back at the smallpox vaccine, look back at the polio vaccine right. and think, well, that was a that was an affront on civil rights. Not many. How come we don't see more memes about that? <laughs> People you know, being held down and being vaccinated? If you want to make a reasonable argument rather than these these wild leaps to the Holocaust and all that, just stick with the fact that people were being held down <laughs> and given the polio vaccine. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it could, it could obviously be spun and it was for your own good, but not an ethical way of going about things. No. And I haven't seen one meme about people being <laughs> held down to receive the polio vaccine. Well, because it doesn't confirm your bias about a vaccine. It's just lazy. Allow me, allow me, allow me to come back in there. This is all very nuanced and complex. So, so the, the being held down one was the smallpox vaccine, and in some very isolated cases in the United States more mm -hmm. than a century ago. Fair enough. Polio vaccine, I'm not aware anyone was held down. There is, a, there is kind of a difference. To the best of my knowledge, the polio vaccine was never made mandatory in any shape or form. Oh, really? I don't know that there was ever anything completely equivalent to the to the sort of, you know, to proof of vaccination, for example, and things like that. There may well have been. I don't know enough about polio vaccination. I wasn't around at the time. People listening to this may well have been. Yeah. But well, Forrest Gump taught us anything. All you had to do was start running polio fast. Polio vaccination. I mean, I have I have an uncle who had polio, you know, and it and it caused terrible damage to his leg. And it, it was life changing. It was a life changing illness that, right. that involved spending many, many months bedridden and, and not able to leave bed for months, months and months and months. And and to the best of my knowledge, there was not this level of opposition to that. So it, it's it's something that I actually want to go and read up on in more detail, because here we are decades hence from polio vaccination. I have not met a single human being who thinks that was a bad idea. And yet we we now have quite a few people who do not perceive this to be in the same light. And Julian Morse actually mentioned this last night uh, in his closing statement, which at least three people were still awake for. Uh, <laughs> Including counselors. When he, he said the other vaccination was something that I grew up believing was considered a modern miracle by people. Right. And now suddenly there is a branch of human society that believes vaccination is out to get them. Yeah. And it is an interesting development. Well, it is, and it's, it has to do with the access to, uh, access to information because I, the, the access to the massive amounts of information that we do have now also leads to the ma uh, uh, access to misinformation. And you get to choose 
what you believe and you get to choose what you have an opinion on and uh, whether or not you can actually go through all that information and pick out the right stuff or actually even uh, uh, like source or or uh, uh, gather information properly is kind of beside the point. It's just like I read something. It kind of speaks to my beliefs. So there it is. So that's I mean, that's part of it as well. All right. Right on. <laughs> Is Ollie Sorry, I said my bit. I don't want to do a city councillor. I don't want to come back around and say the same thing again, just slightly <laughs> differently for another 12 minutes. No, that's my job. Um, okay, Ollie, thank you uh, for joining us as always. Uh, again, we hope to have you in the studio more often, uh, but I understand it's a very busy time and you were up late. So uh, thank you for joining us this morning. My pleasure. As always. Ollie Williams from deep inside the uh, Iron Mountain somewhere in the bowels of Yellowknife um, joining us for uh, a little chat about uh, the proof of vaccination requirements being passed at City Council last night. Five to four. There you go. Nothing can back. back about all the times I got the regular flu shot and still got the flu and all that, all those awful memes I shared about it. Right? Hmm. 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 Might have to do a Cleaning out of the old I mean, social media there. Julian Morris made a great point last night that Ollie highlighted. He made a great point the last time they had this discussion at City Council where, um, oh, what did he say? Now I forget my point. Oh, you were falling asleep. That's right. I was literally falling asleep. But, I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. But he, he made a point about vaccines again where it's just like this is a, this is a modern miracle. He mentioned last, time, uh, last night and the last time he said – this isn't something that lay people should be expressing their opinion on. Yeah, but you already said that. I know, but he said that. I'm just saying he made another great point. It's you don't not, want to repeat everything I'll, you already said, Jesse. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, allow me to not repeat what I was about to say and just say <laughs> that you can find all that at uh, cabinradio.ca. The Mornings at the Cabin podcast. Mornings at the Cabin brought to you by Aurora Ford. Driving the north, finishing up MATC for a Tuesday morning. It's minus eight degrees. Nice pink in the sky as the sun comes up over the horizon. Um, this studio's got some big AJ energy going it on. It does, here. yeah. I think he came in and cleaned. It smells wonderful. Does it? It smells soapy. There's a nice there's a nice fragrance rather than just, you know, a dirty, musty carpet smell that we get used to and kind of love. It smells like a boys' room in here. Um, it does smell nice in here. It smells like the opposite of a boys' room. We, I mean... I, 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 he does so much behind the scenes, you know? He does. It's going to be, it's going to be sad to see him go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when he inevitably quits. Uh, yeah, no, I think he did, uh, he did a little carpet cleaner. He definitely did a little There's still cleaning. some stains, but I mean, uh, whatever. I mean, maybe we haven't shampooed it or whatever. That's just but. from this morning. You cracked mud <laughs> yeah, all over the studio. Right. That's right. I was just pouring coffee on the carpet. I was like, <laughs> see, we, we 3M this thing. Oh no, we haven't done that yet. Oh, uh, AJ, if you're listening, uh, Clean up in Studio One. That's clean up in Studio One. <laughs> it it looks good, though. Yeah, it does. No, uh, look, yeah. Everything looks good. It just it made me realize that I don't think it had been vacuumed in quite a while. I mean, you know, mm. we got a lot of stuff to do during the day. I mean, yeah. I got to be other places. I was probably the last one that did, and I right. only did it as a panic move because AJ was, like, returning from somewhere else. Right. That, that Let's week. make sure it's clean for when he gets home. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like, you know, like hadn't done any cleaning, of course, while he was gone. Right. So we had to like panic and clean everything up quickly. Yeah, yeah. As quickly as possible. <laughs> we got to scramble. Shove everything in the closet. He was so proud. Yeah. He so Until happy. he opened the closet and everything fell on him. <laughs> and didn't do any vacuuming since. 
Yeah. Well, so, uh, yeah, but it's, uh, it's got, it's got some, some nice, some nice AJ energy mm-hmm. going on in here. And, uh, yeah, I was looking around, I was marveling at the carpets. So I was like, okay, no, there were definitely stains there. Yep. When I left, they are gone. They look beautiful. And it is some doing to make this carpet look beautiful. I mean, it's a heavy traffic carpet. It is literally the color of mold. It is. It really is. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't be able to tell if there was mold on it. No. It would just kind of blend in. Which is kind of nice. Yeah. Kind of handy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I like breathing it in. I did, however. I wandered into Studio 3. I was like, ooh. I looked in the garbage. Right. And Banana. there was some uh, some AJ passive aggression. Oh, there, no. There were... There were shots fired. What happened? Based on the contents of that garbage. A, uh, a big old rawhide bone. Raw- <laughs> just sitting there <laughs> in the garbage. You're not supposed to give your dogs rawhide bones. Or are you really not? You're just, I've, 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 been, I've been told not because it breaks off in chunks and they swallow them and they can't be digested. So they just sit there in a lump in their stomach. Apparently. Oh. That's or rawhide I'm... snacks maybe. You can give them the bones that maybe don't break apart. But like. Right. The snacks, you know, the little sticks, you're not supposed to give them. Oh, okay. Good to know. Um, I think it's Kona's. I Kona think. Bear. Yeah. Haven't and, seen Kona in weeks. Uh, last week, uh, she was in, she was. She loves her rawhide bone, and, oh, and yeah. she's like, she's very protective I think about it's, it. I don't know. I've seen, you know, little videos and stuff like that saying it's not, but I mean, maybe they mean the little, little tiny chew toys or whatever. Right. Maybe not the big bones. Yeah. Yeah. Not those plastic rawhide bones, right? Yeah, don't don't give them those. Yeah, fair enough. They squeak, but you know they're dangerous. Yeah, uh, and and so you know the, the rawhide bones, uh, the cabin radio being a a relatively puppy friendly place, uh, much to the relatively puppy friendly, relatively puppy friendly, the oft chagrin, yeah, of of general manager AJ. Yeah, uh, sometimes he uh, he makes his mark. He takes his shot. And there it was. And I think that was that was an indication. Damn puppy. AJ was like, I'm going to put my foot down here. <laughs> Rawhide bone is probably in the way, yep. I'm going to guess, as yep. he was vacuuming. Probably left on the floor. Not hygienic. Probably irked AJ somewhat. Yeah. He said, now this is happening. He murmuring to himself. <laughs> Rawhide bone. Not even hid. No. You know, not even like, not even one of the garbages with an actual cover. Yeah, it was like it was like I think it was deliberately placed in one of the garbages where the dog would be able to see it <laughs> and probably what is this in the think, garbage. Ouch! Uh, Ouch! AJ. <sighs> now I'm gonna go in that garbage and pick it out because I'm a dog, but I'll never forget this. Hurt. <laughs> I'll never forget. Uh, two seconds later, she forgets. Um, <laughs> oh, AJ, thank you for always cleaning up after us, and thank you for not calling yourself Andy. <laughs> I don't mind Andy, but I, I would mind it if we called you Andy. You know what I mean? I'm right. glad we don't call AJ Andy. I think he's thankful we don't call him Andy. <laughs> yeah. Andy! <laughs> oh, that is an easy one to put in Australian accent. It is, yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Hi, right, mates. What's the good word? <laughs> he's the prime minister. <laughs> <laughs> Although Andrew, Andrew too, because you, you can kind of go screwy with the, the EW. Andrew! Andrew! All right, that's, that's enough. Awful. <laughs> that's enough. More days to get done for another day. Uh, have yourselves a wonderful day. Thanks for stopping by. Always a pleasure to have you. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Check out more from the show at cabinradio.ca and by following the Mornings at the Cabin Facebook page.
Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play Store. Here we go, y'all. Here we go. Welcome to Diverse Talking Heads Podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Gibbs. And man, we have a hot show for you today. We're going to be talking about Karenisms. We're going to talk, be talking about Kenisms and even a little bit of Tuckerisms. <laughs> what we're not going to talk about today is what I have get given as a term for myself, and that's Calvinisms. <laughs> So I'm going to ask our distinguished panelists, uh, please just give your name and let us know that you're here. We'll start with well, whoever wants to start. I'm Charlie. Hi, <laughs> Hi I'm Vince, aka Equals MC Squared, the host of The Lab, and I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Vincent. Ladies, let's go in alphabetical order. Ladies. All right. Hi. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Amy. Uh, I host a podcast called Nun Life, and I am also extremely excited to be here today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Amy. And next. Hi, my name is Karen. I'm uh, retired and living life and in traveling and enjoying it to the utmost. <laughs> All right. The good life. The good life. And, mm-hmm. next, and next, my man, my friend, take it away. That would be you, Charlie. Oh, for, oh! I said I'm, I already introduced myself. Oh well, I'm sleeping. I need to wake up then. <laughs> I thought, oh wow, am I hosting the show now? Wow, man, got a me, wow! It took like four episodes. Okay, man, let me get a. I'm Charlie again. Well, let me get a shot of Red Bull. I'll be straight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure will. And I'm glad to be here too. I'll say that. All right, all right. Well, today our topic, as I said, is the topic of. Karenisms. It's funny because this week, as I was researching, I got a text on my phone. I looked at it and it was from my neighborhood app where people go to tell about things going on in the neighborhood and complain and and they bitch and, you know, things that go on in neighborhoods in the app. And this lady had made an entry and I swear to you, 
she was talking derogatory about the app and the people on the app. And she said, and I quote, you guys are a bunch of Karens. <laughs> As I was actually researching about Karens. So that brings us to what is a Karen? Karen, I found, is a term. It's a disapproving, a judgmental, derogatory, negative term for a white woman perceived as entitled or demanding beyond the scope of what is normal. Now, last year in 2020, there was a lot of people talking about Karens. Uh, there's a was a lot of talk about there was a lot of things that happened and people involved in it were perceived as being quote unquote Karens. So I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna throw out the first question and ask, have you come across someone that with the definition of Karen could be perceived as a Karen? Definitely, yeah. <laughs> I hope I'm not the only one, but yes, definitely. So in that that episode, um, don't use any names if you don't want to, but what happened? This is actually fairly recent and um, I'm not- Part of oh. it. Go ahead, Amy. Okay, sorry, sorry. I thought I didn't want to talk over everyone. Um, fairly recent. Um, and this, I, I don't want to wander too far over into another topic, but I was at my child's school. Uh, she's a grade schooler. Um, I was dropping her off. She'd had a doctor's appointment or something. So she was coming into school late and there was another woman with her children dropping off at the same time. We do have to wear masks in school. It is still a state mandate. It's not personal choice where we live. You are absolutely required to have masks if you are in a grade school, there's no option for it. And she and her children were all unmasked and the um, principal or whoever was sort of meeting us in the office, you know, said, oh, you forgot your masks, can you put them on? And um, the other mother just really didn't like being told that, had a little bit of a fit, threatened to call the superintendent uh, right then and there, sort of all of the hallmarks, if you could think of at least the way I perceive a classic Karen, it was, uh, she didn't ask to talk to the manager, but she said, I'm going to call the superintendent. I don't want them to wear masks. It's a state mandate. Maybe nobody in the room actually wanted to be wearing a mask, but we all were because we were following the rules. Um, you know, a sort of attitude, at least in my perception of we're special, they don't apply to us. And I also didn't like that she was doing it in front of children. It's one thing for adults to have a conversation, but there were, there was my child her two children, these are all young. The school is for children ages 10 and under. And then there was another child who I don't know who they were, but they were somebody sitting in the front area. And you know, none of this really mattered. And her voice was going to be heard. In the moment, I didn't 
do anything. Um, she said, another thing she said was, if you're going to require it, then you should supply the masks. And I wish I kind of wanted to have the comeback. Oh, like they do shoes and clothes because those are required too. But I thought I'm going to keep my mouth <laughs> shut. I'm not going to add to it. I don't know that this is my fight right now, but that's mm -hmm. my story. Um, so I realized there are a couple topics there. And, and I, I know the focus of this episode isn't specifically masking, but to me, that was just such a very classic sense of entitlement, including the, I'm going to call the manager, AKA superintendent. Well, in my neighborhood app that I was referencing to a few minutes ago, a lot of the conversation is about mandates, um, about ma you know, masking and people will go on there and the thread can last for like a couple of days with people putting entries in there about what they think is unfair and they're calling each other names and this, that, and the other. But if, let's say Karen, Karen is a uh, black woman. What if she had feelings against uh, wearing a mask? Would she be called a Karen? Anyone? Okay, but my understanding of Karen's is a person who feels as if someone from another ethnic background should not be in any certain places or have certain things. And if they have those things, I'm going to question, I feel that it's my right to question, do you live here? Why are you driving that type of car? And those things are not questionable. When you work every day, you, you can go and do whatever you choose to do. And I look at it, those are their issues. I'm sorry. I look at it as if it's those are their issues because somewhere in their background, I feel like they've always been pampered and spoiled. And that's where their sense of entitlement comes from. So if it doesn't work or fit for them, then I'm going to protest. You no, you, you don't have the right to protest. You it's go. like I was at. I was at the airport and you know, when you check in at Southwest, you can do early check-in, get your spot. And then when they call you, this lady actually questioned me about my position in line as if I was supposed to show her that this is my slot, this is my spot. She's like, well, this is first class. I said, they didn't ask for first class. At Southwest, every seat is a seat. There's no first class anymore. And I was like, okay, six o'clock in the morning. And my friends are like, don't do it. Cause they knew I was getting ready to hammer her. But I was like, no, but I, when my hammering is not what other people think it's going to be. My hammering is going, when I walk away I'm gonna leave you thinking about why you had a conversation with me because it was totally unnecessary. But those, those, that's the Karen mentality for me and my understanding, yes. Yeah, and that's true. What I was trying to point out is that a name is put towards a certain type of person or a certain type of characteristics of people. Mm -hmm. And then as time goes on, uh, other people get pulled into that category. Yes. And that's what I was, I was trying to point out. And in African-American culture, there's a long history of calling someone that is meddlesome, especially a white person by a certain name, okay? 
in the antebellum um, period, 1850 to 1861, that woman would have been referred to as Miss Anne. Miss Anne. <laughs> Miss Ann's always squealing, okay? Going to tell oh, him. Miss Ann. Miss Ann going to tell on me. In the um, early 1990s, the name Becky was used. I remember that. Yeah, don't go to Becky. Right. Classic. And then as late as 2018, uh, before the use of Karen caught on, alternative names was Barbecue Becky. Well, I should say that this, those names uh, match particular incidents that would yes. go on. And if you're African-American, you know what I'm talking about when I say Barbecue Becky, Cornerstone Caroline, or Permit Patty. Wow. If you were Permit out having Patty. a barbecue and maybe you're not supposed to be there, Barbecue Becky was squealing your ass to the police and get you in trouble or to um, whomever and get you to move. Or Cornerstone Caroline, if you're hanging out at the corner store and you look, look like you might be menacing or <laughs> might be doing something you shouldn't be doing, they, they will squeal on you. And yes. then permit Patty. What if you have set up in a park and we know Chicago land, you have to have a permit to you know have a, a, a gathering in one of the um, parks. If you are out there and don't have a permit, <laughs> People have been actually asked, you know, can you show me your 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 permit? And it's like, well, who are you? And then permit Patty would go and squeal on you. So <laughs> I've opened up the door and we've had we've had someone come in. That's what I get for opening up the door and just let anybody come in here. Uh, <laughs> we have have a, a panelist that has joined. Please introduce yourself, sir. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm the late guy. I'm sorry. If you're referring to me, this is Robert, Robert Louie. Right. Um, just trying to be on time, can never get it done. I'm so sorry. But in, in most subdivisions, you know, where we used to live in Georgia, there was always a poolside Pamela. You know, you, you got the kids, <laughs> you got your relatives, and she said, do you live here? You know, you know, like, are these your kids? Do, you know, do they live here? I'm like... Wow. But I think uh, going back to what you know, Calvin said, you know, it's a, a moniker that you know, we put on people who feel that a certain level of service or a certain level of expectation is unrealistic for them. You know, they, don't, they want way too much than a normal person would ever require. Uh, like the you know the lady uh, complaining about you know the Audubon you know enthusiast taking pictures of birds, you know in Central Park. Do you remember that one? Yeah. And another one. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was just supposed to introduce myself. I'm sorry. It's all right, Robert. That's okay, Robert. <laughs> may, may I say something <laughs> on this topic? Um, I think even when you when you when you show. That this is this is not a new thing. It's been all the way back to the 1800s. Um, I would probably even say it's further back than that. Um, yeah. And it's, I think that sense is built into what it means to be a white woman in this in this country, right? What the this country has always treated um, white women like they needed to be protected, like they were a cut above the rest. 
right? Same way to a degree that they treat a white men. So when you when you're in, when you're in a time, right? So you got these characters. Were you talking about Emmett Till? He whistled at me, or when you're talking about Rosewood type actions, it was a Negro, or they blame a black guy. These women are taking advantage of a system of, of a loophole in the system that shouldn't be there, right? Because now they're playing on the empathy of those who, who are coming to help them. Okay, well, I'm a white woman, I'm fragile. I'm, I'm you know, you have to protect me. And what, what would make it easier for you to look past my life or, or what's really going on? Or what could I do to incense you? I'll tell you that, oh, this black person is harming me, which makes all sense go out the window and you start just hearing what I'm saying. So I, I think that this isn't a new thing. I think that, thank God, we, we're starting to see that it's, you know, we see it more, we're more sensitive to it. But that's a whole class of people who've been doing this. We've, we've taught them in our society, through our laws, through the way our law enforcement handle things, through the way our municipalities handle things. There's been a long-standing rule. I grew up knowing, if you want to get something done, complain like a white woman. If you want to <laughs> You want to get something done? Whether you talking about the pothole in the street, whether you talking about getting somebody on AT and T to answer your call, and you can get some help. If you want to get something done, complain like a white woman. Complain like you are extremely entitled, like you should be doing this. You irate and what's going on? And that's the thing. Our society has perpetuated that. So now we're telling them you can't do that anymore. You're like the rest of us, and they're like, wait, we've never moved by those rules. Who changed? When did the rule, when did the goalpost change? And still a degree the same with the kids. The kids are like, hey, I've been, excuse my French, I've been slapping asses and smoking cigars in the office for years. Now, all of a sudden, I have to stop? So uh, we, as we change what is acceptable, there are going to be these people who are going to fight it tooth and nail, who are going to try to maintain the status quo, and who are going to try to perpetuate it. And so I see the, the Karen thing as, you get dealt a hand of cards. I can't get mad if you play the ace. And and you know what, Vincent? Uh, I will agree with everything that you said, but question about being taught. I think a lot of it is built into the way things go. I guess it's not inherently um, consciously caught or taught. A lot of it is unconscious. Take a child, a, a white child, who has not been uh, taught to know what racism is or to hate anybody. This child grows up and starts to realize that there's a difference going on, you know, and that maybe as they grow older, get into the teenage, they start to realize, you know, I have certain rights because I'm, I'm white. Or let me try this, or let me try to squeal on somebody here and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And you know, I don't think it's always something that's that's taught as well as um, the fabric of this country that needs to be changed. For example, what you talked about the Central Park bird watching, or Robert, whoever mentioned it, uh, <laughs> this confrontation started what happened on May twenty fifth, twenty twenty. It was the same day the exact same day that George Floyd was killed, was murdered. And what happened was this white woman, Amy Cooper in Central Park was walking her dog without a leash. A black man 
who was there. Um, Christian Cooper, same last name, no, no relation, was there bird watching. And he asked her to put a dog on a leash, which the rules of the park is if there's a dog, you have walking your dog, your dog has to be leashed. And she refused, of course, and said she was going to um, call 911 and tell them that this black man was, was harassing her. He was videotaping the whole time and said, go ahead, do it. And she went on and on and on about, you know, I'm going to tell him that you're you're harassing me, you're a black man, and blah, blah, blah. And the whole thing was being taped. There's been many, many occasions when it's not taped. And we know what the end result is. The white person, nine times out of 10, will be believed. Absolutely. And if the police, if it hadn't been videotaped, let's say, and the police had shown up and taken her side, uh, this is a, another black man that could have been killed or beat up or incarcerated or whatever for no apparent reason. So, may, may I ask a question really quick? Make it quick? Yes. I'll make it quick, I promise. I've, I've noticed the Karenisms, right? The Karenisms where they pay the car, where it, where it works out for them. I've also noticed, and I was wondering if anyone else on the panelists have noticed, and I don't want to sidetrack us too much, as the reverse of that, right? When you're dealing with people of color or minorities and everything's about race, even when they're wrong, you know, saying you, you come in late or you didn't do what was necessary, right? And then you go, oh, they just doing that because I'm black. Oh, I bet you if I was right, it wouldn't happen like that. I've seen, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> the converse of that. And both are extremes, right? They're extremes on the spectrum. And I just thought it was interesting. Has anyone else seen or witnessed a phenomenon like this where it's like, okay, the same way a Karen might say, oh my God, I'm going to bring out the police and they'll handle this and they were more willing to believe my side because of my color and disposition, you know, is the same. I've seen some people use their ethnicity and say, oh, this is racist. Oh, they're being unfair to me. Is that, has anyone else found themselves seeing situations similar to this? Well, I will say this. I definitely have seen it. And in fact, I have uh, conversations with my wife about that all the time. I'm going to ask the panelists, if you're not speaking, uh, please put yourself on mute. Because everything doesn't have to boil down to race. We get complacent with complaining. Karens get complacent with complaining. Um, we, as I feel that it's also um, something that we as black people, we get complacent with race. I wouldn't say complacent, but the first thing we want to pull is, is the race card. But that also goes to what we were saying about society has taught us that. Society has taught the Karens that they have that card. You have the card because we perceive you as pure or innocent or, you know what I'm saying, needs to be protected. You know what I'm saying? And on the converse of that, this new movement is everyone knows for some reason that if you're a minority, things are a lot different. And you're taught coming up that, you know what, it, it, if you don't know what something is, if things seem like they should line up and they don't, it's probably because you're, you're Black. But what happens when that's not the reality? What, you know, what, what happens when that's just 
what we're taught as we move forward, but we start using it like Karen's and Karen start using that card too. So both are playing cards. I'm sorry. Yeah. Quick. Yeah. Okay. And it's a lot easier to put it on that card rather than to admit, you know, you're an asshole and maybe you had it coming. You know, Charlie, you've been very quiet. <laughs> what, often. Are you, <laughs> what are you thinking about over there? Well, I'm thinking many things about this. You know, I was researching this uh, beforehand. I was thinking about the, the Central Park thing, which I don't know if that was the original thing, but that was kind of the, the big thing at the time, you know, and of course the same weekend as the Floyd thing uh, as well. And so I think about that and I said, no, God. And of course, obviously being a white person here, you know, there's a certain, when I see people do that, there's a, it, the first word, there's a certain arrogance and ignorance on the part of that woman in that case, both of them. And I don't know that woman's background or whatever. Uh, I was reading more about the case. You know, she was uh, terminated from her job. Uh, she has uh, filed a wrongful uh, termination suit against them. Uh, I think it was a few months ago. And the company of uh, the investment firm, I may add, uh, has uh, said, tried to get that canceled and it's still in the courts. So we'll see where that goes. But and she did some training or what sensitivity training or whatever it was on it, as opposed to doing any jail time. And she did complete that. And so they dropped the, uh, the charge up. So whenever I see somebody do that, be you know, male or female, it, it always feels to me like I'm saying this is a white person. It seems like coming out of nowhere. I have no idea why they're talking this way, you know? And I'll tell you what, a lot of those people have not even been around a, a person of color at all or very limited, you know, because they live in a community that's, you know, overwhelmingly, majority white, you know, I grew up in a community like that. Okay. And so the first persons of color I met as a child, well, first, when I was a child, we used to take our laundry to a neighboring town and a person of color did it for us. And this isn't up here in Illinois, I'll add, and this is a long time, you know, cause I'm old, but back in the sixties. So that's the first thing I remember. There was a gentleman who was a cook that we knew somehow through the family. But the first person of my age of color I met when I was in junior high school was a person in the, well, it would be a disabled student class, was EMH back then. And I met that uh, a person of color during that time who was uh, disabled, had him in PE class. So that was the first time I ever met somebody my age that, you know, that was seventh grade or, or thereabouts. And so, you know, my own existence was pretty, pretty limited on that, you know. And later on, obviously, I met people, and I knew people, and we're friends with people of color. But, and my screen is getting messed up here, but we'll keep going. And, sorry about that. Uh, so, you know, I will tell you as a personal thing here, it's probably the best way I can wait. The best personal experience I ever had was I worked uh, professionally in a job in the city of Detroit. I lived in Detroit, in the city. I lived there, I was in a college and all that. And for a period of time, I didn't even have a car up there. So I went to you know the grocery store to get something to do food or whatever there at the time. And I was the only white person there. I was the minority. In other words, the tables had turned. And you know, I met a lot of people up there and learned about their experiences and all that. And it was really very enlightening for me to do that. So, you know, if people had, you know, I, I kind of wish that people all had that opportunity to do something like that, you know, so they could understand a little more on that. I, I don't like the stuff that just seems just totally random that comes out of nowhere. Uh, 
on this. Uh, you know, the Karen thing has a lot of funny sides to it as well. I was reading stuff on it. You know, there's a restaurant in Australia called Karen, and you can go and yell and scream all you want there. So, and then you can buy your food. So if you want to go yell and scream with a, with a restaurant in Australia, you can do it there. You know, uh, Karens are just the angry people of the world. So yeah, uh, I'll just leave it at that. But you know, know something else happened in June of 2020. There was a uh, protest going on. They They were... The protesters of uh, Black Lives Matter were on their way to the mayor's office to demand that the mayor in St. Louis resign. Something had, had happened down there. And yes. as they were passing by the home of these two attorneys, right. Right. and I have the picture up on the screen that uh, um, you guys, the panelists can see right now. Right. They, they pulled out their pistols and, and <laughs> AR weapons pointed them at the protesters who were mm -hmm. just passing by. And that's when the meme started with Karen and Ken. The name Ken came into play as being the male Karen. So my question to you guys is simply about names. About names. Names can hurt. Names can kill names can identify sometimes correctly sometimes incorrectly but as a black man in this country who's been called many names over the centuries isn't it time to get rid of names it is time to get rid of names um you know names are hurtful and harmful and they stick sometimes when people um don't defend themselves about those names. And I, I was thinking, listening to everyone, I was thinking about an experience I had when I first started working my a job in Virginia. I was working with a group of people who had a level of expectation of who I was as a person coming from New York. And I was so different that they did not, everything that was a negative, they attributed it to me. And they believed that I was angry and aggressive when I just spoke to people firmly and, and respectfully. And I noticed that that was something they weren't accustomed to. My name does not indicate my race at all. So I've had a lot of clients when they came in would do the, oh, you know, like, and, and I never paid any attention. And then one day it's like, what was that about? Like, why? It's like, oh, and you know, you're, you're, and it, I always found myself defending myself. Like, I shouldn't know this. I shouldn't be able to do this without having someone help me. And what they didn't know was I had always been an academic achiever. And so therefore I was going to figure it out one way or the other. And once they found out what high school I attended, they all changed their mindsets about me and they became more respectful. They, I, when I had conversations about the upbringing, we found out that we all had similar upbringings. We had similar exposure to different things that we all did different things, but we did it during that time. So we're all the same, we're no different. And when we did a blood drive, like everybody's giving up blood, who knows what blood you're getting, you know? So, so cut the crap, 
you know, and you got good people, you got mean people, you have people of, and, and a lot of the Karenism and the Kenism, because a lot of people are always accustomed to getting what they want, when things don't go their way, then they get angry. And race has absolutely nothing to do with it. It's that's everybody true. else's problem. Well said, Karen, that's true. Uh, I, would add, I would add one more motivation. I said arrogance and ignorance. Uh, I'll use the word fear is a very important thing for the, for the caring the processes. What, uh, yeah. What, what is the fear? Is what I, 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 and well, I, I didn't say it was rational, but. I accept you, Charlie. But what, I was, what I've always, what I've been trying to figure out is what are you fearful of? Well, exactly, exactly. I don't think fear is rational. Of because I the dirt, and these people that you have issues with are the ones who come to your rescue. What's the problem? I, I think the fear, if, if I may, <clears throat> I think the fear it is rational from their point of view. And mm-hmm. I think the irrationality of it from our point of view is just as valid. But I think you have the media in this country. I hate to bring it back to media, right? Yes. You have the media in this country playing both sides. You have the media showing the protests, talking about people uh, who are um, wealthy, people who are uh, Caucasian, and how they're living these lives and, and, and going about. And then you have the media talking about the protesters, and you showing video of the protesters saying, oh, we're going to, you know, this is not fair, this is not right. If I'm the wealthy white person in my mansion that I know, you know, probably got through some ill-gotten means, but that's America. I, I've made my wealth. And I see these protesters coming and I saw the riots that the TV showed me the other day because my interaction with people of that, of that, of that nationality is pretty much null and void, like Charlie was saying, except for what I get through the media. So now the media is telling me that they're dangerous. So yes, I'm going to fear them. I'm going to have my gun because they're coming to take what I got. And the news is telling me that. And the protesters feel like they're being dis- done a disservice. But Vincent, a lot of times it's not the wealthy or the well-to-do that are afraid. Sometimes it's people that are actually uh, worse off than the people that's protesting. They don't have a pot to piss in. Yes. And, and they're out there talking about, you know, we're afraid you're gonna take 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 our country or take something from, they're afraid they, some, they're gonna lose something that they don't even have. Well, they're you know what I mean? You know what I, mean? So, I do, I, I totally agree. Do you remember that Lyndon B. Johnson quote? If you can convince the lowest white man that he is better than the best colored man, he won't he won't notice you picking his pocket. Hell, he'll give you somebody. If you give him somebody to look down on, he'll empty his pockets for you. So although they ain't got a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of, they still think they're better than you. <laughs> <laughs> I might not have a lot, but I, at least I ain't black. <laughs> you, know, you know, that's a, a good point. And I will say this as well. What Karen was saying one of the best experiences that I had in my early life in uh, being a teenager in New York, I grew up in my community, which was um, primarily African-American, Hispanic. And then I had a chance to uh, go to a um, integrated high school, uh, Brooklyn Tech uh, with Karen and, and Robert. And you know, Robert sat in back of me in, in chemistry class and I started to realize that there's, there's people that's going through the same thing in life. They want to 
have a better life. Their parents are putting them here so that they can learn and have a better life. And we all do the same things. We go through the same experiences, you know, as, uh, you know, Robert's Asian. Uh, we will be talking about in a upcoming episode, Asian hate. Uh, we have Dan, who is... Uh, Dan, who is Jewish. We're going to be talking about um, anti-Semitism. You know, we all go through the same things. It's just that some of us uh, feel that we are more entitled than others. So we're going to leave it right there. I'm going to ask for one minute from each of you. Any final thoughts that you can uh, give us in one minute? We'll start with Amy. I think we've hit on a lot of things. I'm glad um, that Vince mentioned the press because I do think that they stoke a lot of it in the desire to get more hits or more clicks or sell papers. Um, I don't like the race that, and I mean like running race, like that the way society is built, the way that we all feel, all of us, oh, I, I won't speak for everyone on the panel, but in general, there's this feeling of, I need to get it because otherwise you're gonna take it from me. And we have way more than enough that that shouldn't apply. Uh, I'm just glad that you've got a very diverse panel on here talking about it. And um, hopefully if folks can continue to have civil conversations, maybe we can just learn to be nicer to each other. Um, so those are my thoughts. All right, thank you, Amy. Uh, Karen, one minute, final thoughts. Uh, I, 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 you know, every day I try to understand because my exposure is not what they um what they try to make you believe this is how it is i have friends in all uh ethnic groups and um some of them are, you know everyone's like a family to me so um ha someone having or not having doesn't matter it's who you are what you're bringing to the table your character that matters to me because I've been around people with money, I've been around people without money, and they still both have the same mess. <laughs> All right, thank you, thank you. Robert, please unmute yourself and give us one minute for your final thought. Well, in my opinion, you know, the moniker of Karenism might be unfair, might be too broad, you know, like people say, you know, the need for a title or putting a label on things, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't be necessary. You should deal with people on an individual basis. But uh, in terms of its popularity, there are certain instances where you would never suspect somebody of having, you know, certain issues or certain feelings based on their family, based on, you know, their history and such. And all of a sudden, it's there in front of your face. You know, they, they have a moment where, maybe their true selves or just anger flashes by for a moment of insanity. Um, but there was this uh, one instance, I think, um, in Kips Bay. Um, this was last year in March or something like that. Um, you know, an Asian couple, this is not Asian hate thing, this is Karenism, uh, uh, was, I guess they were hailing down a, a cab and uh, some little old lady, you know, said she was there first and you know told them to go back to asia where they came from and you know was you know doing all this uh this is my cab you can't cut me off don't you know the rules and you know there are rules to this 
and her name, you know, she was a famous politician's daughter, a uh, very famous uh, politician's daughter here in New York's uh, state. And uh, you never know. You never uh, know. Uh, that is, that, is, that is so true. You never know. I'm going to ask Charlie for one minute for your final thoughts, sir. Uh, all I will say to that is I try to remind myself personally every day, you know, not to say, for instance, Calvin, oh, yeah, Calvin, the, the black guy does a show here or something like that. That Calvin is a great, a, a, a very good person and a great human being on that. I don't think of you in terms of that, you know. And I would say that of any of the others of the panel or anybody in general on that. Mm -hmm. I try to remind myself that don't don't get into that. You know, it's an tr easy trap for anybody, including myself, to fall into. So I try very hard not to do that. And uh, my hope is I will continue to do that. Thank you, Vincent. One minute, please. Start the clock. Uh, <laughs> um, what I'll say is I do think labels and I do think names are still necessary. Why? Because names give labels and names is one of the cards that society, us as a whole, have to correct, correct crappy behavior, right? Everyone's heard of Chester Molester. Mm -hmm. We've heard of that because that's synonymous with molester. So if you hear yourself call that, it's like, okay, pedophilia and molestation isn't cool. So you don't want to be called Chester Molester. So the same way that these labels and names can be used as negative, they can also be used as positive. Also, the way we fix this is we got, we got to start meeting people. There are two, there are, we all interact with two different types of ways. We interact as a group and then we interact individually. The more we, we open ourselves individually up to meet someone of a different nationality, of a different culture, we now have changed how we feel about that and what we actually know. We got more information now. Well, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that at all. And so now you change the way you approach and that's how you change that perspective because now if you don't meet nobody, well, if you never see people of different nationality, you just go off which is assumed or you heard. So that's the way we fix that. We got to start meeting people and we got to start making the effort to, to see each other as human beings. That's it. I definitely, well said. Well said. I definitely agree with that. Very well said, Vincent. We must. Start... I went over about 14 seconds, though. <laughs> that's okay. Fast. That's okay. <laughs> but we must start. Can I add one thing, Cal? One second, uh, Charlie. Yeah, yeah. We sure. must start um, start learning how the other side feels. We must start having those conversations. You know, things are not going to get better with everybody <laughs> keeping their thoughts the way they they have been. You know, there are forces trying to keep us apart because there is there is a mm -hmm. a a renewing of the mind, if you will, that needs to happen. A cleansing that. I feel it started last year. I was so surprised, but so happy. And at first I didn't see the possibility, but now I do. Charlie, 30 seconds. I was gonna just add on my previous statement uh, that I'm gonna go out and uh, I'm an Uber driver, mostly to see Chicago. I'm gonna go out and meet many diverse people tonight. Mm -hmm. And so I'm gonna try to try to practice what I preach here. And a lot of them, of course, will be in Halloween costumes too. That's another story. But. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I want to thank our panelists. That's about all, y'all, for this segment of Diverse Talking Heads podcast. I'm your man, Calvin Gibbs. Thank you so much for checking us out. And we will see you at the very next episode of Diverse Talking Heads podcast.
If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Listening to TED Talks Daily, I'm Elise Hugh. We know that the world's biggest countries and companies must act if we have any hope of curbing climate change. But small countries and territories have led on many fronts in reducing global emissions. In her talk at the 2021 Countdown Summit in Edinburgh, Scotland, the First Minister of Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon, reminds us how small places keep climate action momentum going. Listen till the end for a brief Q&A with TED's global curator, Bruno Gisani. Hi, there's a new podcast from TED called Am I Normal? I'm Mona Chalabi, and on this podcast, I'm tackling questions that I need answers to. Everyone wants to know if they're normal, but when it comes to defining normal, I'm not interested in averages. Together with data, experts, strangers, and even my mum, we'll challenge our assumptions and ask, does normal even exist? This season, spermageddon. Do we need to worry about male fertility? And what makes sperm good? Check out Am I Normal wherever you listen. You wouldn't put your teen athlete on the same field as the pros, so why would you take them to the same doctor? Children's Healthcare of Atlanta Orthopedics and Sports Medicine is Georgia's only nationally ranked program for teen athletes. Visit today at choa.org slash teens. I'm going to start today with a question. Uh, In other contexts, perhaps a risque question, not one you would expect from somebody in my position in a talk about climate change. But it's important. Does size matter? (laughs) My answer, perhaps also unexpected, is that no, it really, really doesn't. (laughs) And Scotland... Scotland is proving that. About a mile from here, in the National Museum of Scotland, you will find on display a steam engine designed by the great engineer James Watt. A hundred miles from here, just off the coast of Aberdeen, is the world's biggest floating wind farm. And then, just a bit further north from there, in the Pentland Firth, we find uh, the biggest wave power turbine being tested. These are all extraordinary feats of technology and engineering, but they also demonstrate how Scotland, a relatively small country, led the world into the industrial age and is now helping to power the world into the net zero age. And there's a lesson for us in that. When we talk about tackling climate change, we so often talk about the contributions of America, Russia, China, Brazil. And that's important. We won't limit global warming without these countries. But we also have to recognise that the ambition, the leadership and the action of small countries matters too. Small countries have no time for small objectives. And I really agree with that. And we see examples of the leadership that small countries show 
everywhere we look. Take Bhutan. Uh, one million people or thereabouts became the first in the world to commit to being carbon neutral for all time. Since then, 130 countries of all sizes have followed suit. Or Fiji. In 2017, it hosted the UN Climate Conference and did so much to highlight the existential threat that climate change poses to island nations. Now, a country like Scotland, with a rich industrial past, has a special responsibility. We have disproportionately contributed to climate change, so we must do more now to help tackle climate change. So in recent years, Scotland, this small country, has decarbonised faster than any G20 country. We have just become... We have just become the first nation in the world that is not an independent nation yet to publish... <laughs> to publish an indicative a nationally defined contribution showing how we will meet the objectives of the Paris Agreement. So we've pledged to cut emissions by three quarters by 2030 and to be net zero by 2045. We're also seeking to galvanise change on the global stage. So we are currently the co-chair of a coalition that brings together 200 states, regions, devolved countries like ours, to demonstrate leadership in meeting the challenge of climate change. Now, that coalition is not represented formally at UN summits. We're not signatories to the treaties that emerge from these summits. But collectively, we represent two billion people across the world. And about half of the reduction in global emissions that we need to see will depend on the actions we take. They will depend on the legislation we pass, the infrastructure we build, the investments we fund. So my point today is that, yes, big countries matter, but the leadership of small nations matters too. It's often states and regions and small nations that can step in when the bigger countries fail to act. So when Trump disgracefully took America out of the Paris Agreement, it was a coalition of states and cities that kept the momentum going. And if we raise our ambition, and if we follow that through with action, then we can spur the bigger countries to go further and faster too. And there's one final point where our voice and our contribution matters. So often it's states or devolved nations like Scotland that have to respond most directly to the impacts of climate change heat waves, floods, hurricanes, we have to deal with the implication. Now, for Scotland, California, New South Wales, that's difficult but manageable. For many others across the world, it is not. So climate justice matters too. It's not enough to cut our own emissions, although that is vital. We have to make sure we are helping those who have done the least to cause climate change to do so too and with the spirit of justice and fairness absolutely at the heart of that. So to conclude, my message today is that countries of all shapes and sizes must step up to this challenge. We cannot allow our size to be something that we hide behind. When it comes to tackling climate change, size really, really does 
not matter. We must think big in our ambition, we must act big in what we do, and we must be big when it comes to the impact we make. Thank you very much. First Minister, thank you. Thank you. I would like to ask a couple of questions, because you mentioned the uh, wind farms up north, but there is a new field opening up at north, is an oil field, the Cambo oil field. Uh, a few weeks ago, it's been licensed by the UK government, and a few weeks ago you wrote the, for the Prime Minister of, uh, uh, of the UK government, and you asked him to reassess uh, that field and that licensing uh, in view of the climate uh, emergency. There's also a growing movement in Scotland against that uh, project. What are people to make of uh, opening up a new gigantic mm. oil field while at the same time pushing for decarbonising policies at COP? I think people are right to ask big questions and be concerned. Uh, oil and gas is important to Scotland. It has been for four, almost five decades, important to fulfilling our energy needs, but important to our economy. But if we're not prepared to ask ourselves the hard questions, we're not really facing up to this challenge. We can't switch fossil fuels off overnight, but we must accelerate the transition away from them. And therefore, the question is, is new exploration consistent with that? Um, and that's the question I've posed to the Prime Minister, where the power over this lies. Uh, yes, we need to make sure uh, we make the transition sustainably and fairly, but if we just rely on new exploration of the old ways of doing things, I think the question is whether we do that at the pace we are required to do. So a country like Scotland, uh, we can't just answer the easy questions. We've got to face up to the hard questions as well. But we must make sure the transition is just, just for people, for communities um, and for the, the planet as a whole. And that's what we are committed to seeking to show leadership on. What, what was your exact demand? Withdraw the licences, suspend it, change it, reanalyse it? Well, the licence was... At Granted, 20 years ago, there is a process now it has to go through to get approval for development. And my argument is just that if a company was now applying for a new licence, there would have to be a climate compatibility check. Now, arguably that's not robust enough, but the same thing should happen if an existing licence is turned into development consent. Uh, and that's the process I, I think should happen. We've got to be careful that we don't leave communities and people behind in that transition. We've got to be careful we don't switch domestic production uh, to imports of oil and gas. That would be counterproductive. So the way in which we make the transition matters. But we can't have a business as usual, because if we keep telling ourselves we can rely on fossil fuels for uh, ever, then we'll never make that transition. And that's the key point I think we've got to address. Let's hope it goes in that direction. First Minister, thank, thank you for coming to TED. Thank you. TED Talks Daily is hosted by me, Elise Hugh, and produced by TED. Theme music is from Allison Layton Brown, and our mixer is Christopher Fazy Bogan. We record the talks at TED events we host or from TEDx events, which are organized independently by volunteers all over the world. And we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or email us at podcasts at TED.com. episode, please leave us a review on iTunes.
Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.